Welcome to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. Enjoy this new message from Pastor Brian Gibbs. I'd like you to grab your Bibles tonight, if you would, and go to Hebrews chapter 5. Thank you, ushers. Hebrews chapter 5. Honey, don't let me forget to pray for Alaska tonight before we depart, okay? Before we dismiss, don't let me forget to pray for Alaska. Amen, church? Amen. I know this is going to be somewhat of a unique introduction to this word tonight. I feel like it, it may set a proper tone to where the Lord wants to take us tonight. I really appreciate all of the emails and text messages and correspondence that have come throughout this week concerning last, last week's word on compassion. And um, I was very touched, honestly, I was very touched by your personal uh, emails and just, I thank God for that. And the Lord is doing something very beautiful in the midst of all of us, amen? amen. I want to speak to you tonight a very unique message. I've never preached this before. Um, I want to speak to you tonight about try tears, try tears. Father, I thank you for the anointing that is upon your holy word, and I pray that it will be rich tonight. I pray that there is a eternal impartation in these moments upon your word. Spirit of God, breathe, impart life in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Would you say amen tonight? You're in Hebrews 5. We're going to be there in just a moment. Like I said, I believe this is kind of a a very unique introduction tonight to this word. But I had a unique experience um, yesterday and this morning, and I'm going to try to tie these together if I can. But my wife and I were in a hurry, and we were racing across town, as you do, (laughs) and uh, we were trying to get to an appointment, and we had to stop and gas up, and so we stopped into Wawa's, and I'm a fan of Wawa's donuts, praise God, but we had to stop into Wawa's, and so I was just getting gas, and um, one of the things that bothers me so bad is when I gas up, and there's no paper to print out the receipt, And you have to go inside. And so we were in such a hurry, and I'm hitting that, and it's not coming out. I'm like, oh, no. So I ran inside uh, only to get in line of about five or six people deep. And I was watching the uh, teller there uh, serve the people and, and noticing what was taking place and just the transactions of people. And I looked at a man that works there, and he's, he's, he's most certainly a man. Um, he has a man's voice. He's got hairy arms like a man, and, but he had on lipstick, and he had on women's earrings, and uh, he had on uh, women's eyeshadow and stuff. And um, the closer I got as, as the line moved on, I began to take a really good look at him, and his his name badge said Suzanne. The compassions of the Lord just hit me. And I went from being in a hurry, being aggravated, wanting to get to my appointment, to, wow, Lord, what has happened to this man? How, how, did, how did this happen? How, how did he get there? Who wounded him? Who, who hurt him so long ago? I just began to inquire of the Lord about this man. I began to pray over him, and I made my way finally to him and just had my interaction with him. But I stood there just looking at him, praying a miracle over his life. And it hurt. It hurt. Are you feeling me tonight? This morning, my, um, my wife and I, our, our day started pretty early in prayer. 
And my wife and I began to pray for a little boy in Plano, Texas, by the name of James. And this is quite a fascinating story, but James right now is in an epic warfare for his own life and his own soul. He's six years old, and he's in a family warfare right now. And his mother and father are separated, and his mother is wanting to take him down the path of becoming transgendered to make him a full-blown woman, a, a girl. He's six years old. I know this is going to be difficult to hear. And I know this is different, setting the tone of a message this way. I know this is very different, but please stay with me tonight. His mother is trying to take him down the path of becoming a girl and name him Luna. But as he goes to his father's house, he's told his father that he wants to be a boy. He wants to wear boys' clothes. He wants to talk like a boy. He wants to play the games of a boy. But he goes back to his mother's oversight. And now she is trying to take him down the path of soon bringing him into hormonal, hormonal change. And there's a fight in the courts. This is in Plano, Texas. And the courts are threatening the father that he has no right, that he cannot speak in to the boyhood and the manhood of his own child. They're threatening a father. I don't know what that does to you, but this morning as Bren began to share about the story, I was moved, my wife was moved, we began to pray for James. In fact, we just stretched our hands towards Texas, and we began to appeal to heaven and call upon the name of the Lord for this precious boy. We began to call out for his purpose and his destiny and his very soul unto the Lord for his deliverance, for his protection. And as we were praying, <clears throat> we just wept and wept. We just we could not shut off the tears. We could not shut off the tears. They just kept pouring and pouring out tonight, this morning. I want to speak to you tonight about try tears. Hebrews Chapter 5, are you there? The writer of Hebrews, which I believe is the Apostle Paul, he writes these words in verse 7. He begins, he says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he offered up prayers and supplications and venomous cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death, and was heard because of his godly fear. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. My God, what a powerful word. Jesus' death on a Roman cross, a Roman crucifixion in the city of Jerusalem. It was a violent and brutal death. It was a death that required him being nailed to a wooden cross to hold him and fix his body upon that cross. His scourging alone of 39 lashes literally should have killed him, but it did not. But the beauty... And the glory of the cross, this passionate sacrifice of the Lamb of God that was slain from the foundation of the world. He came to take away the sins of the world. John tells us in John chapter 1 verse 12, he tells us that those that believe and receive Jesus, he gave them the right to become children of God. He gave us the right to become children of God. This revelation is so important. This revelation of God sending His only Son to rescue the world from its sins. We know the Scripture, John 3.16, but John 3.17 says that God did not send His Son into the world to what? To condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Hear it again. God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world 
through him might be saved. It was through Jesus' own travailing sacrifice of his body, of his blood, that Jesus was able to give us a new and living covenant so that we could become the sons and daughters of the living God. But I want you to notice what Paul writes here. He says that when he offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death. And I want to ask you tonight, did you feel that? Did you feel that? Jesus was offering his own body, prayer, supplications, venomous cries, tears. Hear this tonight, tears. There was a silence to Jesus' death. There was, there was no move, moving like Hans Zimmer orchestra score going on in the background while Jesus was tied up to the whipping post and then dragging his cross through Jerusalem to the place of the skull to Golgotha. But there was pain that could be heard. Jesus could be heard weeping. Jesus could be heard crying with venomous tears unto his father. I want to let that settle tonight upon us as we think about that. We often engage concerning the sacrifice of Jesus in some type of a movie format. Most recently, even the the Passion of the Christ. But there was no moving score. There was no dips and and swells and, and there was none of that. There was a crowd gasping, gasping at a sight that they saw. The Bible tells us, That Jesus was marred beyond human recognition. That means that Jesus, after he was beaten, and he was dragging his cross to the place of the skull, he did not look like a mere man. He was beaten beyond recognition. Wow. Why was this done? Why was this done? Because it's God's will that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance, and all should come to salvation. Tonight, again, I'm asking that the Lord would do something special to break open our wells of compassion in Jesus' name. And I pray that he would break open our hearts for lost souls. I believe he's doing that in the midst of us. I'm going to say that again. I believe he's doing that in the midst of us. He's breaking our hearts open again for lost souls. I want you to listen to the cry of a revivalist. His name is Charles Finney. And if that name is, if that name is new to you, Charles Finney was originally from Connecticut, American He became a lawyer, but then he had a powerful encounter with God later in his life, and he became a powerhouse revivalist and an evangelist. He was mightily used by God in what we know to be the second great awakening. He met another man named Daniel Nash. Daniel Nash was a burning, burning powerhouse intercessor. He was truly a revivalist too. When I think of Daniel Nash, I don't think of him just as an intercessor. He was a revivalist. And God put Charles Finney and Daniel Nash together and used them so profoundly. Literally, their legacy has over 500,000 salvations attached to it and a miracle wonder ministry that literally transformed the society of America. If you've never heard of Charles Finney, I encourage you to study his life. If you've never studied Daniel Nash, I encourage you study these lives. These pioneers paved the way, and they're still paving the way. And I believe we, right here in 2018, we're literally heading into a third great awakening. 
But I want you to listen to these words of Charles Finney tonight, and I want you to listen to his cry. Listen to this. A true believer will labor zealously to bring others to Jesus Christ. They will feel grief for others who do not love God. They will set themselves often with great emotion to persuade their neighbors to give their hearts unto him. They will be filled, listen to these words, they will be filled with tender and burning love for souls. They will have a longing desire for the salvation of the entire world. They will be in agony for the individuals whom have not been saved, their friends, their relations, even their enemies. They will not only be urging them to give their lives to God, but they will carry them to God in the arms of faith with strong crying and strong tears, beseeching God to have mercy on them and save their souls from endless burnings. I want to go on. When the conduct of the wicked drives Christians to prayer and breaks them down and makes them sorrowful and tender-hearted, so that they can weep day and night. And instead of scolding and reproaching them, they pray earnestly for them. When their actions, both oppositions and apathy, drives Christians to their knees in prayer to God with strong crying and tears, you may be certain of this. There is going to be a revival. Yes, Lord. Listen to the words of the Apostle Paul. This is in Galatians chapter 4. Paul writes about travailing prayer. When he writes the book of Galatians, he writes these words. He says, my little children of whom I travail in birth again until Christ be formed in you. One more time. My little children for whom I travail and birth again until Christ be formed in you. Write it down tonight, travail. What does it mean? What does it really mean to travail? It means painful and laborious effort. It means to make an ordeal of in trial or in tribulation, in trouble, in hardship, in stress. Hear that again. Travail, it means painful effort. To make an ordeal, to be in trial, to be in tribulation, to be in hardship, to be in trouble, to be in stress. The one thing that we're trying to completely get out of our lives I remember one day kind of complaining to a mentor that was in my life. I remember <laughs> sharing with him about some pressure that I was going through in our ministry. And he whipped around one day and he pointed his finger at me and he said, Who told you that you don't need pressure in your life? <laughs> I said, Well, I don't know. <laughs> Who told you that you don't need pressure in your life? And he began to talk to me about the NASCAR cars that go around that track and he said it's that pressure that literally holds them in their place let that sink in for a little bit travail means to be painfully making an ordeal or in tribulation Paul says I'm in travail for you I'm going to ask you a question tonight write it down contemplate it Go over it again. Grab your notes later sometime this week. Open your Bibles. Sit quietly with the Lord. Ask yourself this question. Can I weep? Can I travail with unbridled passion for the lost souls of my nation? Can I weep 
Can I travail with unbridled passion for the lost souls of my nation? Can we boldly come before the throne of God's grace to cry out for awakening and for reformation? Ladies and gentlemen, the souls of America are literally, literally hanging in the balance right now. The very soul of our nation, the very prophetic destiny of America is hanging in the balance even now. The millennial generation is literally hanging in the balance for us to capture them through the travailing of intercession for their souls. Who was it that prayed for you and brought you into the kingdom? Think about that. Who prayed for you? Who called out to heaven and appealed to heaven for your soul? I know who that person is. His name was Miles Black. A man named Miles Black travailed and called my dad and called my family into the kingdom of God that was lost in gross darkness and sin. There was no way out, but there was a man of God interceding and praying in travail over the Gibbs family. And let me tell you what it did. It destroyed the yokes of bondage. And it brought us into the kingdom. Come on. Who will travail with God? Who will weep? Who will cry out for this generation? Can you weep? Can you be burdened? I'm asking questions tonight. And let it probe your own soul. Can you be burdened? Can you be agonized for someone else's release? Can that happen? I want to tell you that it's okay to pray with tears in your eyes and fire in your belly. I know that I've seen people coming into victory and jumping into the prayer room, and it's quite a firestorm in that room. (laughs) It's quite a firestorm. But I want to go on the record to tell you that here at Victory, it is okay to pray. It is okay to travail. It is okay to weep with tears in your eyes and pray with fervency, with fire in your belly. This is who we are. This is who we are. I want to be the people that the Lord says, ask of me and I will give you the nations as your inheritance. And the ends of the earth for your possessions, Psalm 2 and verse 8. We know that that was the Father speaking to the Son. Son, ask of me. This is David in a vision seeing the Father speak to the Son. Ask of me. I will give you the nations as your inheritance. But Jesus is our pattern for life and ministry. I've heard that one place before. Jesus is our pattern for all life and ministry. And out of the place of prayer, where we learn how to travail with God, where we let ourselves be grieved, we let ourselves be grieved, we let ourselves be moved, we let those wells of compassion begin to burn in us. Standing in Wawa, I began to burn. Everybody was checking out and buying what they're bur- that, buying, what they're buying, but I'm burning. And I'm feeling the heart of the Lord over this man. I don't know his story. I don't know what he's been through. I don't know the abuse that he suffered. But somewhere along the way, it happened. But I tell you that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. There is nothing. Come on. There is nothing. There is nothing that God cannot save or heal or redeem. We are going to see this in this present outpouring. People being transformed before our very eyes. I remember when my wife and I were in Italy, and I remember seeing three transvestite men come off the streets into that meeting, and the glory of God was being poured out like wildfire. And my wife will tell you, it was one of the greatest levels of glory we've ever experienced. I remember seeing them come. 
And I, I wasn't giving an altar call, but within 20, 25 minutes, those three men that were dressed like women were down in the front taking off their wigs, taking off all their other stuff. And those, those men were delivered from every demonic spirit. That night, every vile, tormenting, vexing spirit, they were set free in the glory of God. I'm telling you, there is nothing impossible with our God. There is nothing impossible with our God. I have to be careful with this message. (laughs) Because a lot of the church is spiritually dull right now. I'm not being condescending. And I'm not trying to be negative. But a lot of the church is spiritually dull. They have fallen asleep in what I would call a community of comfort. They don't want to be bothered. They, they don't want to be thrust into any level of assignment. They would rather not be bothered. Literally, they would rather just not be bothered. They have insulated their lives and their hearts so well. And that's why their eyes are still dry. I want to go on the record to say this is going to change. There is a praying remnant church and you are part of it. There is a praying remnant revival church who is before God, who is allowing the heart of God to blaze our heart and our spirit and to awaken us for this hour. This is our hour. Church, this is our finest hour. I'm telling you, this is our finest hour. We are moving. We are moving into the greatest outpouring of the Holy Spirit beyond beyond anything we have ever conceptually imagined. We were born for this day, Bren. We were born for this day. You were born for this day, Lydia. You were born for this day, Rachel. We are heading into the greatest outpouring of the Spirit. We are going to see such a cleansing and a purging of this nation. The Lord is reminding me of a dream that I had last year right after the inauguration. And in this dream, I was on the Ohio State Buckeyes football field. And I was surrounded by thousands of students. And for whatever reason, there were media outlets all over. And they were filming what was happening. I was walking on the football field. And there were hundreds of bodies that were just flopping like fish that had been pulled out of a pond, and they were students demon-possessed and reeling, violently reeling and thrashing on the field. And we were walking through these students, casting the devils out of them. And the power of the Spirit was just a visible unleashing of anointing. That's where we're going. It's where we're going. Do you believe that? I want you to listen to these words. They may be familiar to you. This is 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. He writes, if my people who are called by my name, if they will humble themselves and pray, and they will seek my face, And turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sins. And heal their land. I believe this. I believe this promise. I believe that the Lord is going to restore and heal and recapture America. Come on, give God praise. I believe it. I believe it. Listen to these words in Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 136. Rivers of water run down from my eyes because men do not keep your law. Listen to it again. Rivers of water run down from my eyes 
because men do not keep your law. Jeremiah chapter 4, verse 19. Jeremiah 4, verse 19. Listen to these words of the old prophet. He said, oh, my soul, my soul, I'm pained in my very heart. My heart makes a noise in me. Don't miss that. My heart makes a noise in me. I cannot hold my peace because you have heard, oh, my soul, the sound of the trumpet and the alarm of war. Jeremiah goes on in Jeremiah chapter 9 and verse 1. Listen to these words. If only my head were a pool of water and my eyes a fountain of tears, I would weep day and night for all my people who have been slaughtered. Look at it again. Oh, that my head were waters and my eyes a fountain of tears that I might weep day and night for the slain of the daughters of my people. I want to ask you a courageous prayer tonight. Can we begin to cry out to God like this? Can we be a people that says, oh, that my eyes were a pool of tears, a pool, a fountain of tears, General Booth, General Booth and his wife, Catherine, they are the founders and the pioneers of the Salvation Army. If you've never heard these names, I put them in your notes tonight. Just look them up. Begin to study their lives. What a legacy. Unprecedented legacy. But William Booth, in this time in England, he wrote a letter to some very struggling evangelists. These evangelists were trying everything they could to win souls. Hear this tonight, please. These evangelists were worn out. They were frustrated. They were not seeing people saved. They were broken. William Booth and his wife Catherine, they gave themselves to the poor. It was their entire legacy. They started Sunday school and church on the streets for homeless children. That's how their ministry was birthed. He wrote a letter to these struggling evangelists in England, and this is what he said. He said, my gentlemen, I urge you now, try tears. Try tears. This is where this message is born from tonight. Because I believe that God wants to do something so significant in the hearts and lives of this community that our hearts are set on fire by the love of God in such a way that He's able to commission us and send us into such great darkness and release His wonders and His power to break people out of prison and to bring freedom. For where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. You are the carriers of that freedom and hope and deliverance and liberty. Can we weep over the condition of our nation? I don't understand this morning how me and Brandon couldn't shut off the tears. We just couldn't shut them off. I wonder if we can pause our lives like Nehemiah. Think about this tonight. I wonder if we could pause our lives like Nehemiah and we can weep over the broken walls of America. Can we weep over the burning gates of America? Listen to this. Nehemiah mourned and he fasted. Do not miss this point tonight. Do not miss this point. Do not miss this point. Nehemiah mourned and fasted. His prayers were literally born through weeping and mourning. His prayers. I'm crafting this very, very succinct for you. For you to hear this in your spirit. His prayers were born out of weeping and mourning. This is Bible and fasting. 
Nehemiah's true prayers were born somewhere. Your prayers have to have a genesis. Your prayers have to come from some place. Your prayers have to have a genesis. Your prayers have to have an ignition. Your prayers have to come from a place of home. What is that place? For Nehemiah, it was a place of mourning, weeping, burning before God, fasting. Listen to me tonight. His travailing, his travailing prayer gave birth to a vision. His travailing prayer gave birth to a vision. And what did he say? He said the prayer that all of us should be praying right now. He asked God. He said he saw the broken down walls. What did he ask? He inquired of God. And this is what he said. How shall I go? How shall I go? I'm telling you, this is what every one of us in this family need to be asking our Father right now. Because the Lord, I'm telling you, we are having earthquakes within our own spirit right now by the Spirit of God in this house. People are really inquiring and getting still before the Lord, putting their busy lives on pause and saying, God, what do you really require of me? What do you want me to do? What is my assignment? Your prayers have to be born from this place. And that kind of prayer will, it will lose a vision. Are you with me tonight? He asked, Lord, how shall I go? And this is what I'm asking the Lord. Lord, how shall victory go? How shall victory go? How shall you use us in this region to rebuild this region? Some of us will be going into the education mountain. Some of us will be going into the arts mountain. Some of us will be going into the government mountain. I had a dear friend of mine even write me today. He said, Brian, I've had two dreams about you recently concerning this region. It was very interesting. And it was around government. Very interesting word. Very notable word. 2 Corinthians, would you go there with me tonight? 2 Corinthians 5. The Lord is calling us, folks, to a ministry of reconciliation. I want to read verse 11 to start out. Because we can't just hurdle over this word. You have to hear this first. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 11, it says this. It says, knowing therefore the tear of the Lord, we persuade men. Knowing therefore the tear of the Lord, we persuade men. You know who persuade those? Those that are burning. You know those who persuade are those are the burning lamps before God whose hearts have been broken before God to feel the movements and the pains and the dreams and the heartbeat of God. That's who he uses to persuade men. Verse 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone be in Christ, hallelujah, hallelujah, he is a new creation. And old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and has given us, don't miss that word, he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them and has committed us to the word of reconciliation. And now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. Come on, say amen tonight. We are ambassadors for Christ. Come on, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God were pleading through us. Look at that word. As if God were pleading through us. You can't plead without a burning passion. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled unto God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become 
the righteousness of God in him. Folks, God's unquenchable love is crying out for humanity, for the lost souls in the balance. What is he saying? Be reconciled unto me. You are Christ's ambassadors. Notice I'm, I'm focusing. He's given us this ministry. He hasn't just given Brian. I'm going to say this again. You do not need a pulpit in a sanctuary or in a realtor association <laughs> to validate that you have a ministry. You have a ministry. Every one of you, you have a ministry of reconciliation for this generation. You have a ministry. Your commission as Christ ambassadors. Your commission. Come on, smile at me. <laughs> You're commissioned as Christ ambassadors. Position yourself with the intercessor. Write it down. Position yourself. Position myself with my intercessor. I gave this scripture last night. I know I didn't prepare this for our team tonight, but I want to give you the scripture again. Isaiah 53, verse 12. It says that Jesus divided, it was divided the spoil with the strong because he poured out his soul unto death. He was numbered with the transgressors and he bore the sins of many and he made intercession for the transgressor. That's where we're to be. That's where we're to be. Psalm 126 tonight. Psalm 126. I'm reading now out of the Passion Translation. <laughs> It says, they may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow. Y'all there? Can you see it? They may weep as they go out carrying their seed to sow. But they will return with joyful laughter and shouting with gladness as they bring back armloads of blessing and a harvest overflowing. I want you to see this tonight. You sow in tears. Try tears. Try tears. You sow in tears, but you reap with everlasting gladness. You sow in tears, ladies and gentlemen. You sow in tears. This is how it happens. The Bible says as earth remains, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. As the earth remains, there will always be seed, time, and harvest. And you can't jump over the seeding of the weeping. And you can't dictate the space between, which is called time. But there will come a joyful harvest. But it comes to those who sow. Who sow in weeping. Are you with me tonight? I'm about to close. <clears throat> I'm about to close. <clears throat> we are heading into even greater difficulty in America. Don't all shout me down tonight. We are heading even into greater, more perilous times. There's two sides to this. There's two sides to this. The judgments that we are presently seeing right now, the judgments that we're seeing are literally man's selfish revolt against a good father. That's what it is. It is a mutiny. It is a rebellion against a good God because I'm telling you, God is good. The angels heralded to the shepherds in the fields that God's will was what? Peace and Goodwill to men. God is good. His plan has always been good. We are in the throes of judgment because of the mutiny and rebellion of man against a good God. And we're caught in the crosshairs and in the warfare of it even now. And we are suffering unprecedented consequences because of our rejection of a loving father. One of the greatest gifts that God has been restoring to my life. One of the greatest gifts that God has been restoring to my life. 
is the gift of tears. The gift of tears. Why? Because we have to feel this. We have to be moved. We have to be moved. We have to feel what the Lord feels. We have to hurt as the Lord hurts. I've said this before. You know, the Lord has emotions. The Lord has feelings. The Lord has emotions. The Holy Spirit can be grieved. The Lord has feelings. The Lord has aspirations, dreams, desires, intentions. But it takes a people who actually care about that to say, God, I will be what you want me to be. I will do what you want me to be. I will go where you say to go. Are you with me tonight? I want to ask you again, can you weep? Can you be burdened? Can you be burdened and agonized for people's release? Can you travail? And I'm not trying to be trite and rhyming this, but it's the truth that those that travail with God, they are the ones that will prevail with God. I want to close tonight with a story, just a very short story. In the month of October 1997, there were more than 1.4 million men from the four corners of America that met in Washington, D.C. My wife and I had, we had only been married two years. I remember getting on the bus with several buses. And at that time, we were living in Columbus, Ohio. We got on the bus, and it was a 10-hour ride from Columbus to Washington. It was a very sobering moment. It was a very sobering drive. It was not a party experience. The men that got on that bus for a sacred assembly knew what we were about to do, that we were going to gather on the nation's mall and repent for the sins of our nation to repent of our sins, to repent of the sins of our nation and cry out to God for mercy and ask Him to forgive us of our sins and ask Him to heal our land. That was a long time ago, but I'm telling you, it's been something that has continued to shape my life. It's indescribable. It's indescribable what it was like to lay face down in the grass of the Washington Mall with over one million men. And to listen to men weep before God. To actually be before God an entire day and cry out to God. Try tears. Try tears. There's an old song, and I, I referenced this song throughout the years, and it says, when a grown man cries, you can feel the thunder. He can call down angels with signs and wonders. He's a powerful man with a weary soul, and his tears can touch the very heart of God when a grown man cries. When a grown man cries, you can feel the thunder. He can call down angels with signs and wonders. He's a powerful man with a weary soul. And his tears can touch the very heart of God. When a grown man cries. I submit to you, we must try tears. If God can move us into his heart. In an uncompromised way. Because we have this flimsy thing about the love of God in this hour. I tell you the love of God is very fierce. And the love of God is very powerful. The love of God is very intense. The love of God is very fierce. It is very powerful. But if God can move us into his heart in an uncompromised way. And we could be possessed by his passions. We can change the world. 
we can change this present world. And everybody in this room dreams of doing that. It's in your DNA. It's who you are. It's who you are. You dream of changing this generation, the generation that is coming to bring redemption, to bring salvation, to bring healing, to bring deliverance. It's the cry of our hearts. It's who we are. We were born for this hour. We were born for this hour. Don't be duped. Even though we've seen all hell vomited out in this nation, don't be duped. We will come into the finest hour of the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. We're going somewhere together. We're going somewhere together. Would you put your Bibles aside? I know what time it is. I understand what we have to do in this building, in this room. We did it pretty fast before we started. There's a cry in my heart. There's a cry in my heart. I, I, I just see our altars of victory packed. Not full of souls getting saved first. I see our altars packed with people weeping. And burning before God. I see men and women actually capturing the dream of God in the altar. And becoming the firebrands they were always meant to be. Lord, I pray for your holiness. I pray for your holiness and your fire to capture us. I have to do this tonight. We've got just a little bit of time. and Cody, I don't even want you to feel like you have to come. We could do this in silence right now, but I want to give an altar call tonight for you to just come and spend some moments with the Lord. Quietly in silence. I want you to come. Bring your journal too if you've brought it tonight. Or bring your, your phone. Because the Lord may speak to you as you're, you're on your knees in this place. But I want you to find a place before the Lord. In these closing moments. I want you to just find a place to be with the Lord. Be with the Lord. We make this place holy, Lord. We make this an altar of consecration tonight, Lord. An altar of consecration, Lord. Your fire is on the altar, Lord. Your fire is on the altar, Lord. Your fire is on the altar, Lord. Use my friends, Lord. Use my brothers, my sisters here, God. Oh, God. Put your passions in us, Lord. Put your compassion in us, oh, God. Put your fire in us, oh, God. Put your fire in us, oh, God. Ignite our hearts again, Lord, to burn. Move us, God, to be grieved. Move us to be broken for you. Break our hearts, Lord, in the best way. Break our hearts in the best way, Lord. Spirit of God, put us on. Put us on, Lord, like a glove. Put us on. 
Oh, Spirit of God. Brew in this place, Lord. Brew on these hearts. Rest on these hearts, God. Holy Spirit, come to us in the quiet place, in the intimate place, Lord, as we are in our homes, Lord. Let our prayers be born in the place of brokenness. Let our prayers be born in a place of brokenness. Oh, God. Oh, God. Father, I pray for precious James tonight in Plano, Texas again. Pray for this precious boy, God, and the precious children of our nation, God, that are in the throes of this spiritual warfare for their souls, God. I ask you, Jesus, to rescue this precious boy from these unclean spirits. I pray that you deliver this family. From these vile, tormenting spirits. In the name of Jesus. God, may your delivering power crush the enemy. Crush these generational sins and perversions, oh God. God, sweep through our nation. Sweep through our nation, oh God. Cleanse this nation with holy fire. Cleanse this nation with holy fire. Cleanse us of our perversions and our uncleanness, God. Oh, God, cleanse us from perversions. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. I know you're going to move in this city. I know. I know you're going to move in this city. I know you're going to move in this region, oh, God. I know you're going to crush the powers of darkness. I know you're going to raise up mighty firebrands and evangelists and prophets and apostles and teachers and pastors and intercessors and workers of miracles and workers of healing. Out of this house, oh God. Out of this house, oh God. Bring your firebrands, God. Father, I pray that in this house that we will have fennies. We will have gnashes out of this house, Lord. Fennies and gnashes, God. I pray kingdom connections. I pray deutimous power relationships in this house. Deutimous power relationships happen in this church. That, God, you will yoke people together for the long haul. To burn and change this region and this nation. Oh God, you will find us faithful. You will find us faithful, God. I pray, Lord, that we would be people that would pray courageous prayers. Courageous prayers in this hour. God, help us to walk with humility, to walk in unity, to walk in love, to walk in humility, to walk in unity, to walk in love, Lord.
And Lord, I ask that we would walk with fire. We would walk worthy in the fire, by the fire, through the fire. God, I pray that victory will be marked by heaven with cloven tongues of fire upon us. Just as in the book of Acts, I pray that we would be a community of cloven tongues of fire upon us, upon our children, upon our teenagers, upon our families. And there would be such boldness, boldness upon this community, God. We would be bold as lions. Lord, I thank you for your blakening anointing upon this house tonight. I cherish it. I hold it so special to me, Lord. I honor your presence. I bless you, every one of you. I bless you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I bless you to go after the heart of God. I ask you, I bless you, I bless you to sit intimately and quiet with the Lord. To receive the calling. To come out of that flame with the ministry of reconciliation. Power. Prophecy. Gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jesus' name. Jesus' name. When Charles Finney would preach throughout America, sometimes in his crusade, history records that Charles Finney would speak night after night after night. There was one crusade that he did not give a single altar call for the first 28 days of the crusade. Think about that. Thousands, tens of thousands were flocking to Charles Finney's crusade. For the first 28 days of his crusade, he never gave an altar call. He said the people weren't ready to repent. Wow. Him and Daniel Nash would break open regions by the power of intercession. They literally, they they didn't try tears. They lived tears. Nash burned in the place of intercession with tears. They would break open cities and regions and they would see the harvest. I remember the first time that my wife and I went to Brownsville, Brownsville Revival in Pensacola, Florida. I remember that first night. It was a crazy thing. We had we'd never been there. We're in the sanctuary and there were, one of the worship leaders walks up to me and he says, Hey, aren't you Rodney Howard Brown's drummer? I said, well, I was. He goes, this is the craziest thing. He said, we don't have a drummer tonight. He couldn't show up. Would you play drums? <laughs> I mean, we just showed up. I said, well, yeah. So I, Lyndall Cooley walks out, and I meet Lyndall. I jump on the drums. We take off. We just take off. It explodes. But I jump on the drums for the altar call when Steve Hill got done preaching like a man on fire. And he gave an altar call, and from that drum cage, I looked out, and I saw people running, running to the altar and jumping down to get before God and to be saved. It's always stayed with me. It's always stayed with me. I remember one trip, me and Brent went to Brownsville. We, we sat in the choir loft behind the pulpit. And Steve gave the altar call. We watched him come running to the mercy seat. I'm so craving a, a home, not this anymore, but a home for victory. So that we could do this night after night after night. and Just come together and just pray.
Get the altars ready and seek God. Learn how to weep before God. Learn, learn how to travail. Learn how to dream with God. Let God move in upon us to get it ready for a move of the Spirit. Because this is where we're going. This, this is where we're going. This is what we're after. Well, we have to do this tonight. It's it's eight twenty three, and I'm sorry we have to do this, but we're gonna we're gonna have to begin to to set up in a little while and transform the room. So, I love you all. It's been a beautiful night. I, I love you all. Yeah, let's pray for Alaska. Would you touch somebody next to you? Just touch somebody next to you, and let's let's pray. Jim's, yeah, okay, good. Father, Father, we know the earth is groaning in travail. The earth is even groaning in travail. <laughs> Lord, for the families of Alaska, we stand before you for the city officials. We stand before you. We ask, Lord, for your wisdom. We ask for supernatural resources. Lord, I thank you for the workers that, that rushed from the state of Michigan to help them in their pipelines. I pray, Lord, from every state of this union, God, that, that your, your ambassadors will go for the healing of Alaska. In the name of Jesus, we bless their leadership, God, their governor, we bless their leadership with creativity and innovation, Lord, to heal the land. Innovation and creativity to heal the land of Alaska, Lord. To rebuild. To rebuild once again. To restructure. Put it back together once again, Lord. Lord, tonight we rejoice that not one life was lost. We are so grateful. We are so thankful, Lord. You are so good. So, Lord, we bless Alaska. Restoration, healing, comfort. We pray for the children of Alaska tonight, Lord. Lord, I'm sure it brought fear to so many. But especially for the children tonight, we ask, Lord, for the healing of their hearts. As they've been through aftershock after aftershock. Lord, send your angels to comfort and minister to the kids in Alaska tonight, Lord. Be with them. Be with the families, Lord, that are sitting in their living rooms like this. And they're praying. And be with the families, Father. Be with the pastors. Be with the churches, God. The churches to reach out, to invest, to heal to bring resources, to bring water, to bring food, whatever is needed, oh God. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you for listening to Victory Church of His Presence Sermon of the Week. For more information, go to our website at victoryfla.com.